This podcast is brought to you in part by Shorewinder, the industry-leading tool for winding residential and commercial springs with a cordless drill. Let us shoulder the burden for you. And check us out at Surewinder.com. Hey guys, before we get into the show, I need to let you know, not only do I own a garage door company, I also own and run a marketing agency. If you need help with your marketing, make sure you contact us at 404-445-3494 or check us out at garagedoormarketing.co. That's garagedoormarketing.co. What's up, guys? This is Ryan with Torch and Talk Podcast, and today I have a guest you guys are probably familiar with. He's been on with me before. Uh, Josh is my general manager with Aaron Overhead Doors. What's up, Josh? How's it going? Glad to be here again. So uh, he probably feels a little ignored because I haven't had him on in a while, but he's been really busy, y'all, and uh, he allows me to continue to do the podcast, which is good. Um, but uh, today I brought him on because... We're going to talk about hiring. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about strategy as to like how, how I find people. We're going to talk about um, where I find people. And then Josh and I are going to spend a good amount of this uh, conversation talking about what people you should hire. Uh, because I feel like we have a pretty good, um, we've kind of figured out our plan and have made mistakes have hit home runs. So we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but before we dive into that portion of the podcast, I'd like to talk a little bit about like where you find talent. So uh, first of all, you got to figure out what talent you want. Like what position are you trying to hire for? And one thing that I really feel like as a door company, I try not to run my business as a door company. I try to run my business as a, just a regular business. Um, and what I mean by that is, is like we can get stuck looking at other companies trying to build it like them and hire those same type of people. Uh, when in reality, you know, you're, you're not seeing what you need as an employee uh, or in an employee or a position of need. And so uh, we basically go until we hit a roadblock and, you know, we try to eliminate as many multi jobs off of people as possible. So I don't want one person in charge of like four different people's jobs. And so what we try to do is pull those off and make a new position. And the more singular people can get, the better they'll be at that position. So um, we're going to try to, you know, right now we're five years old. We got obviously people doing wearing multiple hats, but we're working really hard to pull those apart and put people in singular positions. Some people do really well with wearing multiple hats, but, would do better. I think like when I think about Tisha who runs um, like our HR kind of in our, I say kind of, cause I hate saying that we have an HR department. Um, but her, her title is a uh, financial success manager and uh, people relations. And so her job is to make sure that everyone we have on board is, is satisfied or if they have issues, she's kind of like that go-to person where, if they have a complaint or something, they don't feel comfortable talking to myself or Josh about it. They can go to her and then she won't tell us who, but she'll come tell us what. And, um, she's kind of that bridge and, and that's good to have. 
Um, but she loves being involved in a lot of different aspects of the business. And so, um, same with Josh, I think he loves the commercial side of things and, you know, I'm kind of pulling them away from that a little bit. And so, you know, if you've had people with you for a long time or they have a specialty, um, but you hired them for something else because they're talented in that area, uh, it may be hard for them to disengage. And so, we're kind of we're gonna see how well Josh does of does with that here soon. We're also gonna see how well Tisha does with that. Um, so, anything you want to add to that, Josh? Uh, I think you kind of hit on one of the biggest curveballs is the learning from your mistakes. I mean, it's gonna happen. You're gonna you're gonna hire somebody you you were I guess convinced otherwise was a total different person. Um, and there's people out there. I mean, if you think about any of us that's good at selling anything. Think of us coming in and trying to get a job we probably shouldn't even be applying for. We could yeah. probably be pretty convincing, but it's it's uh, it's on us to uh, figure out and di- or dissect the conversation properly to find out if you've got the person you think you have. I think this is the most difficult part of being a door company is finding the right talent, um, hiring talent, training, getting them up, whatever it is. Uh, I believe hiring is definitely our biggest challenge. Um, when I was in software and I, I referenced this a little bit because I learned so much, I didn't have this problem. Um, honestly, I, uh, I would send out an email to my team. Hey, do you know any all-stars that are potentially interested or not interested? I didn't even care. Just, you know, give me a list of all-stars in the industry and my job would be to go and recruit them. And I would, I would go out and I would reach out to them. Hey, you know, so-and-so they're on my team. Um, I just would like to introduce myself and jump on a call and get to know you. And then, you know, I'd build the relationship and that takes time, like nurturing and recruiting. Uh, I did that with Josh. I think I've mentioned that before. Uh, I had four or five people tell me how, how amazing he is at what he does. And I was curious. So I reached out to him and I uh, built a relationship with him. We went and grabbed lunch a couple times or dinner, whatever. Um, and we just got to know each other. And, and I saw that we had a lot of the same philosophies when it came to business. And, um, and you know, after meeting him a few times and getting to know him, I uh, you know offered him a position. And I think, you know, a lot of times we get to the point where we're so behind and we're so busy as business owners that we just like, we, we add hiring someone as like something on our checklist. And for me, I think that's the biggest mistake we could possibly make. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, most door companies I talk to don't have a budget for advertising for hiring. It's not a monthly thing that they do. This should be, this, this is as important as answering your phones or marketing your business um, stickers this, you should be recruiting and hiring or advertising to hire or interview all year round uh, for all of your positions because you never know, you know, one guy could go start on his own business or another guy could get sick or hurt um, and you got to fill that spot. And the last thing you want to do is fill that spot with somebody you barely know, uh, interviewed once and you had to fill the spot quick so you chose this guy. When in reality, this guy may not be exactly who you choose uh, would have chosen had you built a funnel. And so what I like to do is I like to build a funnel of people. Um, and we're going to talk about how to do that. So, uh, when you're talking about building funnels, uh, I call it advertising, call it what you will, 
But there's a couple places that I go, um, and I'm going to give away all my secrets here on how I find people. So um, I hope my competitors aren't listening, but it's okay. Uh, one of the biggest challenges that garage door guys historically aren't on LinkedIn, unless you're looking at commercial guys. Uh, but I love finding people on LinkedIn because historically those people are a little bit more professional um, because they understand the value of LinkedIn. They're on there. They're networking. They've built out their profile. It's well-spoken. Everything's like all the timelines match up. If that's the case and they're in the door industry, I'm interested. Yeah. I'm interested at least having a conversation. Um, and then you got Facebook. You know, you can always post something on your Facebook. It, you know, previous customers who already believe in you are great options, whether they're, you know, you're looking to hire somebody for a service professional or an office position uh, I, I'm a big believer in shooting out an email newsletter or something on social media uh, to say something there. And then even like you don't know who you have in your network who may have a connection with somebody. So I'm also a big believer in posting something on Facebook like, hey, you know, Aaron Overhead Doors is looking to hire this position in the near future. If you know somebody, you know, please let us know. And all these things like posting this stuff should all probably happen three months, two months prior to the actual date you want to hire. But if you find the person, pull the trigger. That's the way I view it. So um, Glassdoor, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Glassdoor, and I'm not talking about a glass door for all you door guys out there. I'm actually talking about the website, glassdoor.com. This is a website where uh, you can post jobs. Um, people can, like, rate working for you, um, good or bad. And uh, so... Strongly recommend you create a Glassdoor page. It's great for links back to your website anyway for marketing purposes. But it's also great because you can encourage your current employees to go on there and leave some feedback and ask them to leave honest feedback. It's totally anonymous. Uh, they don't have to put their names in there. They can just put their information that they work for you and here's some information about their experience and ask questions. I think that's great because a lot of people go there when they're in the interview process uh, to see how good of a business you are to work for. Um, you got to have, uh, I think, Nextdoor. I, I found Tisha on Nextdoor. I think I found one or two others on Nextdoor. I love posting, like, job postings on Nextdoor for multiple reasons. One, it's kind of advertising your business a little bit, and which you're not supposed to do. It's in the guidelines. But if you're hiring, uh, you can get away with it. Uh, two, it shows in the area that you're growing. Three, you got a lot of people um, local. So you don't have to worry about dealing with people living too far away. Um, so I'm a big fan of Nextdoor posting something on there, posting on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, Glassdoor. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about recruiting, but my secret sauce, I think, is Workable. So there's an app called Workable.com. You can download it on iPhone. I don't know about Android, but um, this app is magic. I have... Um, Let's see if I can figure out how many places these jobs go out to. I mean, I can get hundreds of applications within two weeks, usually by posting out. It's $99 a month. Um, it's It also helps you keep track of like whoever you've reached out to. You, uh, they have like a qualification thing. So you, if you just want to thumb through, find the ones you like, mark them as people that you want to reach out to, you can do that. 
Um, then it has kind of like a little CRM or something that where you can say, you know, here's the people that I've scheduled appointments with. Here's people that I like on the phone interview. And you can go all the way through till they're hired. And then you can shut it down if you want. But I like to keep a lot of these going. You don't know if that employee is going to make it. You don't know if somebody's going to quit. So I think it's good to just kind of keep those going. So I'll spend uh, three to six hundred a month in uh, running continuous ads. What I've learned is with Workable, though, like they shoot it out to just tons of places. Uh, let me see if I can figure out where all they shoot it out to. I think because I'm logged in, it may take me. Um, oh, I'm good. So Workable shoots it out to all these free platforms as well as like LinkedIn, um, all the platforms I talked about, Facebook, um, except for Nextdoor. They don't push it out on Nextdoor. But you've got all of these um, platforms, and, and they shoot it out. There's tons of them, dozens and dozens. Um, Indeed, like it takes it out to all of them. And you pay $99 a month, which I think is pretty cheap for what they do, honestly. Um, and 200-plus job boards. And I think that's key, right? Like you want to get it in front of as many people as humanly possible, and you just sift through all the people, try to find the ones that you like, mark them, and then go through and call them. Um, it's it's great. Like, uh, Workable's my secret weapon. There's a mobile app. So, like, you know, when I'm just sitting around the house, if I don't want to have the computer up, I can thumb through people while I'm watching television or whatever. And that's, uh, that's great. But uh, Workable's my secret sauce when it comes to getting opportunities. But I also am big on recruiting. So I'll ask a lot of questions. The first couple of years I, I was in the door game, I would go to uh, distribution centers and I would ask them, who's the best? Who's the best? Who's the best installer? Who's the best? Who's who's really good at this? And then as soon as they say their name, the next question was, are they good at customer service? And nine times out of 10, no. <laughs> I'll be like, damn it. So you, you, it's hard to find that combination of both, but it can be found um, and you have to just, you know, hunt the people down, reach out to them, introduce yourself. Uh, there's people that I would love to have here that I've called and called and called and recruited and they won't give me the time of day. And that's fine. Maybe they never do. Maybe they do and it works and it's the best relationship ever. You just never really know. Um, but when I meet somebody and they really make an impression on me, I'll ask for their phone number and I'll shoot them a text and I'll get to know them and maybe take them out to lunch or whatever and see if they're interested uh, in potentially working here. So I'm, I'm big on recruiting. I've always recruited. I, I don't think top talent is going to be looking, you know, posting their resumes at places. A lot of times, most of those guys are going to be well taken care of. And you have to build that relationship in a way that you know it's a long-term game. You're, this isn't like a one-hit wonder where you're going to offer a job and they're going to jump on it. They're probably being well taken care of and enjoy. I know when I first talked to Josh, Josh told me straight up, he's like, I'm happy. It's going to take a lot to get me to jump, right? Like he was happy where he was at. Uh, but I stayed in touch with him. Things started digress, digressing a little bit where he was at. Not a whole lot, but it started digressing a little bit. And then I you know him and I were talking about what it would be like. And I think the plant just, uh, the seed got planted and evolved. 
you want to speak to anything yeah. about the recruiting process? I think that's really the one of the hardest parts about what we do to ourselves is I mean, when you're running a business, you're already busy, clearly. And when we do interviews, this typical interview is 30 minutes to two hours, and that's it. And then you move on to the next candidate. It's making yourself like we did. I mean, maybe not eight months like we did, but um, spending more time, more visits, more encounters than just that first initial one. Right. Um, let them go home and think. You go home and think after the first encounter. Then schedule another one in a week or so out. Let's do this again based off the thoughts after the first one. It's. Th- I think that's where a lot of our shortfalls come from, and we end up either missing out on good hires or hire the wrong person because we're literally just going off that hour. Yep. And you got to spend more time than that, especially when you're holding yourself and your business to a standard like what we are is like you said before, some of the best people in this industry. If you're looking to just fill bot, fill trucks, fill office chairs, that's one thing. They'll be great. But as far as a good employee and upholding culture, you, you got to pass on a lot of talent yeah. because of that. And I, but I think it's worth it. It is definitely worth it in the long run. So that's a good transition. I think we've talked about uh, all the tools. Well, let me talk about one more tool. I'm sorry. So Gusto is a, um, a tool that I've used for multiple businesses. I use it for the marketing company. I use it for my door company. I've used it for all my previous companies. Uh, it's great. It's easy to set up. It's quick. Um, they don't pay me for advertising. I'm just sharing this so you guys can use them as a resource. But what I like about Gusto is uh, their customer service is okay. It's not great. It's, it's good, uh, but it's not bad. They do um, payroll, payroll taxes for you. You can set up insurance through them, 401k through them. Um, and it's very easy, very affordable. And uh, they're your typical Silicon Valley, like tech company who got into HR. They've got a good onboarding process. So let's say you want to hire somebody, you just go in. They have like a templated offer letter. You just plug in a couple things that I ask you, send an official, like really nice, well-written offer letter to your potential hire. They get it, uh, they sign off on it online, and then it prompts them to set up like their I-4 form, I think it is, and some other stuff. Um, and, and it's just like the first impression of people who I think start with us is very professional. Like even though we're a family-owned business, uh, until we screw it up, this is this is like we look legit, right? Like we're sending the offer letter, we're doing everything the right way, and um and then we get the notification when they uh, come on. And then I think emails go out to people within the staff and says, you know, hey, so-and-so just, uh, you know, is starting soon. Welcome them to the team. And you can, like, press a little button and put a message in there and it'll send it to them. Like, it's pretty neat. Like, I really like it a lot. Um, Which we, we add to it to make it even better. I mean, Tish is awesome at her, her onboarding process. Yeah. We send out all the phone numbers within the uh, company of people you'll be working with. Here's their number, their email, all kinds of things, their position. It, it's, but building that off of the way Gusto does it is, I think is extremely professional look. Yeah. And then once they come on board within the first couple of weeks, I like to pull them in the conference room and sit down with them and kind of tell the history and the story of how we got started, how I had four and a half days of training. I came here, I launched the company you know, and I did all the work myself until I found someone to help me out. And then, 
you know, the story helps with buy-in. When people know what it took to get started and the work that you put in, they also don't look at you like, you know, it was given to you, you know? So like when employees come on and they're working their butts off, they know you paid your dues already. And, you know, they don't feel like, oh, this dude's sitting in his office all day. Like, yeah, maybe, but I'm working. But also what I had to do to get us to the point where we could even afford you was all this, right? So, and I don't do it that way, but I, I tell the story. I'm a little bit of a uh, storyteller. I like the the romance of how we evolved into who we are today. Um, and I explain very deeply through the process uh, and afterwards how company culture is the number one most important thing in our business. And uh, I want to spend some time here uh, because I feel like I could give you guys a lot of value in talking about, you know, questions to ask in the interview and stuff like that. But I really truly believe what makes my business great is the culture and I will do everything to protect the culture, including firing top talent. Uh, if they threaten that, uh, I would rather go to war with three who believe than a hundred who don't. And so I, uh, I'm, I'm hardcore on that. And I, uh, I don't, I don't waver. That's one of the few things that I will, um, I'm quick to fire on. So I want to talk a little bit about culture with you and kind of the, the mindset because you've been with me for how long? Eight months? Uh, February 1st will be a year. Damn. Fast. Feels so, like 10. Yeah, it does feel like too. Um, so you've been part of other companies who've had good culture. Uh, you've seen some companies you've worked for, we've talked about where they had really good culture and then it dropped. Um, you know, what? what is it that you think uh, contributes to our culture? Like what are the things that you, or let's just make it broader, right? Like, What's great about having good company culture at any of the businesses you've been at? The the buy-in of the team, not just being every man for themselves. When when a team feels connected to each other, your possibilities are endless. It's when you feel like every man out there is having to fight for themselves and fend for themselves, you, you lose the whole camaraderie of the team. And once you lose that, your customers start to see it. Your end user sees it. It... it it's an extreme decline. And the biggest thing with culture is a lot of companies use it and do a very good job at using it to get people in the door. It's how it's, are you going to uphold it? Yeah. If you don't uphold it, you've killed it. And, yeah. and you'll bring in the best people that you can possibly find, but they came in because of that culture. And if you don't uphold that, then you're just going to watch them start to dwindle out. Um, I don't think that like a lot of blue collar companies um, are big on culture as a whole. I think there are some, but when you come from my background where I came from, where, which was software culture is how you attract talent and hopefully keep it. Uh, because if you didn't, there's so many jobs and so many people, people are going from one place to the other. We don't have that problem here, right? Like I think a lot of good garage door guys and, and blue collar workers and home services 
they're staying where they're at because they're not comfortable going to another job that's going to treat them better. But I talk to a lot of people who get treated like trash. Yeah. And it's really sad. Um, you know, first of all, you're people, right? So uh, we have to treat you like people. Second of all, I think that, you know, there's definitely uh, a lack of transparency when it comes to businesses. You and I have talked about how I share our financials with our team and we've even discussed it on a previous episode. Um, but why do you think that sharing financials with the team is important? I think the biggest reason is we we got to practice what we preach. If we're going to sit here and tell our team that they're part of our success, but we can't share the nitty gritty of that success, then then they're not going to feel like they're part of it. They're just they're just there to make the company money. Is what you hear a lot of. Yeah. Um, if you include them in those types of things they start to really see like, okay, I'm making a difference or, or I got to get better at this. It's and especially when a lot of people will do it when things aren't going great. They're trying to hide the numbers from the team and things like that. You, sh- you got to show them both sides. You got to yeah. show them where we're excelling and where we need help. I at. think it's almost better that you show them that it hurt, like when it hurts than when it's yeah. great because, you know, I think the perception of a lot of people is, well, you know, uh, they look at the invoice of the job they get, right? I talked to a business owner a couple of years ago and he said, Ryan, I don't even let my guys see what we charge for the door or how much we charge for installation because I know that they're going to complain that they only got paid this much and they, you know, they can source the door and find out how much we paid for that and source this. But I actually feel the opposite, right? Like I'm like, well, why don't you do They're going to figure it out eventually why don't you just tell them and then sit down with them and show them how much it costs to get the customer, how much it costs to pay him. And I'm not just talking about what you made. This is a huge misconception. If you made $150, that doesn't mean that's not, that's what it cost us. Right. Mm-hmm. We still had to pay workers comp journal liability. We do 401k here, health insurance. A lot of that stuff's based on how much you make in general. We had to pay the fuel, the tools, the, you know, the truck, the wear and tear on the tires and everything else, the brakes. I mean, like all that goes into what you're looking at, uh, payroll taxes. So you made 150, but it may have cost us 200, right? 225, whatever. So, um, it's not just what you make, but it's what it costs. And so I think we do a fairly good job of trying to teach our guys, Hey, look, you know, we want you to be one of the top paid people at your position. Here's how you earn it. And here's how much it cost us to employ you at where you're currently at. And I feel like a lot of our guys embrace that pretty well and understand, wow, you know, like this is what I'm worth, not what I'm, you know, I think a lot of guys look at what they bring home and they're like, Psh, you know, I brought this home. Well, yeah. taxes ain't my fault, right? <laughs> like, you know. I didn't tell you to max out your 401k, right? You know, I mean, good for you. We're matching. So uh, that's growing. But but when it's it's easy to work that hard and come home and not feel appreciated if after taxes, the check doesn't feel good. Um, and, and we can be a little bit seasonal. So there's definitely times when the guys are making more money on install than repair and vice versa. Um, but I think transparency and numbers is important. And, and I think some of the time business owners aren't transparent because they don't even fully understand. It. Yeah. So, um, that's another thing that you have to take in consideration. So 
when we're looking at the big picture here, we're looking at, um, we're looking at like recruiting, we're looking at culture. And for me, I would rather, like I said earlier, I'd rather hire somebody for culture than skill and train them and teach them and make them great. Um, and those are the people that are going to stay with you long-term as opposed to some guy who's bouncing around from one company to the other and lands at yours. Right. So there's been people that I have hired where I, I said, you know what, you know, I would normally never hire this person and I did it. I haven't gone in to look to see how much money it cost me to, for that mistake. But if I had to guess between like the stress, if you could monetize that, which tens of thousands of dollars, if you could monetize the, the drama uh, that it caused between the team, you know, the, the, uh, the time and effort that we had to spend to, to try to get things back after they left all the damage they done after they left, like the psychological damage to the team, the culture is now like sacrifice. What you're telling your team by leaving bad people on your staff is that as long as you perform, you can do whatever you want. And I think as business owners, especially when we first get started, we feel like we don't have the say so, or we can't like the leverage is on their side because we need them. We need those guys. We, we understand that an owner himself or herself can't do everything by themselves. So they hire. Well, then employees feel like, oh, well, they need me and they leverage that. Somer is a European-based garage door opener manufacturer who has recently opened Somer USA out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Serving more than 90 countries worldwide, with our 40 years of experience, Somer produces one of the highest quality openers on the market. Combining German engineering and manufacturing, Somer uses direct drive technology to make their openers and opener accessories durable, long-lasting, quiet, and with the maximum lifting force. Further, Somer has earned both IDA and DASMA certifications by maintaining the quality and innovation standards set in place by national and international garage door associations. Maintaining these standards has allowed Somer to create the most versatile operator on the market, featuring unique optimization and diagnostic tools to make their operator perfect for every job and every customer. For more information on Somer operators, visit somer USA.com. That's S O M M E R USA.com or contact their Charlotte office at 877 766 6607. Bifolding overhead doors are simply cool. Therefore, if you install one, you too are cool. All kidding aside, Swice makes the best bifold door on the market. So when you have an opportunity to sell a bifold, check them out first. As a matter of fact, Bifold security doors are hot right now. If you check out their website, Bifold.com, you can see hundreds of ideas on how businesses are using Bifold doors. They have tons of photos on their website. They've supplied doors, Bifold doors, for restaurants, basketball stadiums like Golden One Center in Sacramento, retail stores, and even spectacular homes. These doors are a game changer and a statement piece. If you want a project that will draw attention, sell Schweiss door. Tell them Ryan with Torch Talk Podcast sent you. Visit bifold.com. That's B I F O L D.com. So can't do everything by themselves. So they hire. 
Well, then employees feel like, oh, well, they need me, and they leverage that. Cut them so fast. Like, the longer you keep them, the worse it's going to get. And so I would tell you my biggest fault and the thing that I'm going to change most is, you know, I have, uh, I'm probably one of the most compassionate owners or leaders in business that I'm aware of. Um, and when I say that, I mean, I keep people longer than I should because I care about them and I know, I feel like they have a good thing and I, I want them to be here, but they stress the freaking crap out of me and they're ruining the culture and this and that. And I got to get better at recognizing that sooner and making a decision, even if it's a weekend, three weeks in a month in, sitting down with them and saying, Hey, look, man, I, you know, I've noticed when we were going through the interview, you told me this and here I'm seeing this and it's contradicting. I need to know what I'm looking at. Right. And are we, are we going this direction? Because I told you from the get go, culture is important. And I think, you know, I'm not willing to sacrifice that. So we got to make a decision. We either change and we, we, you know, make the current culture better. You're either making it better or you're making it worse. That's mm-hmm. you're one of the two. You're not really in between. You're making it better or you're making it worse. And so if you're not making it better, you are making it worse. And so I'm a big believer. And if you're not making it better, you got to go. Well, that's as an owner and as a management team, if you're going to stay, you're going to uphold culture. It's your job to uphold it. Don't sit there and say, well, I'm going to hold, I want this high culture, but I've got somebody ruining it. But what am I going to do if I let them go? Yeah. I mean, brutally honest, get your ass in a truck and get out there and do it yourself. Start answering the phones. As a management team that wants to push good culture, it's on you. You make it happen. Yep. Don't don't ruin the rest of your team by keeping that guy just because he can install more doors than the next, or his ticket tires or his ticket averages are higher. Whatever, it, you go get in the truck and make it better. If you know the culture and you can uphold it, then you do it. Don't don't ruin it by keeping that guy just because he's got some pros. But if he's ruining your culture, then his good sides are useless. Yep, I agree. And I think that like it's easy to get comfortable in the office. And I've probably made that mistake more than I would have liked, but I genuinely think that, um, you know, you need people on your team like Josh or whoever and say, look, we don't have anybody else. I need you to jump in a truck and help us out today. And, you know, if you're the owner, I mean, I'll hold myself accountable, but I also ask my team to hold me accountable and we're a team. And if that means I got to go out there and get dirty, let's go get dirty. Right. So, uh, if I got meetings that can be moved, let's move them and let's make it happen. Um, and, and I think if you have that mentality and you actually do it when you're asked, um, then that just makes your team want to work harder for you. And I don't get asked really anymore. Well, I got asked a couple months ago. I did get a door back in the track. Um, and I, I was able to do that. Um, and it was sucked because I got out there and I didn't have any of the tools like, ma'am, do you have uh she's like, mm, not really. She brings out this little dinky toolbox yeah. and she opens it up. It's got like three things in it. And I'm like, do you have rope? And she's like, rope, what do you need rope for? I'm like, I'm going to try it. And she's like, I got some rope. And I'm like, I'm all trying to rig it. So I had to like drive to home Depot and buy stuff and go back and fix the door. But, um, that's kind of the way that I, I, um, I feel like we have, um, focused our hiring efforts 
with recruiting, um, if we are looking at talent only, talent first, I genuinely believe that um, you're going to put yourself in a position where it's going to bite you in the butt long term. And uh, I want to build a culture where people love to wake up and come into work every day and um, get to know each other as people, not as employees, not everybody. It's just a number. And one of the best things that we did to help with our culture, um, we were kind of in, in rebound mode from, from a bad experience with an employee was uh, we implemented our morning huddles uh, that Josh and I started doing. And, uh, I feel like that's paid off huge. Like, yeah, that, that, that's definitely showed quite significant results. I mean, like, 15 minutes, we just freaking, we, we look at yesterday, we look at the jobs, we ask everything went smooth. Like, is there any parts that need to be ordered? Anything that like we need to discuss if it's a warranty on the books, then we'll straight up be like, Hey, what happened? You know, we can all learn from this, right? Like if you made a mistake and didn't do something right, let's talk about it. We're not going to bash you, but let's talk about it. And that way everybody can learn. Um, and so that's kind of uh, the path that, that we take. We talk about our numbers in the mornings, our goal, who did really good the day before on, on, um, on sales and uh, where we're at as opposed to goal as a team. Um, what that does to your culture is we start every, everybody knows we're going to get slammed come eight, nine o'clock but we're starting our day out by presenting the entire team with the opportunity to tell us what we can do to help them right then and there. So we're not just telling them, hurry up and get to your first job. Get with me when I have a chance. Yeah. This is your chance for us all to work on issues. And if we have a big problem, like if we have one that just, you know, this is an issue, uh, what we'll do is we'll take everybody who is involved in it after the meeting and we'll go into the conference room for 10, 15 minutes and we'll, we'll break it down from everybody's perspective. And then we, we kind of talk about where, where the process is broken or if somebody didn't understand the process, we'll figure that out. And, and we do it in a very loving, caring manner. Like, you know, Hey, we're not here to beat anybody up. And I make sure I say that when we walk in, we're here to find the issue. If it's a, if it's a process issue, we'll fix it. You know, if it's just a mistake, no big deal, but we're having this conversation so we can identify what it is and then we can move on so we don't do it again. Um, and that's that's also, I think, helped out a lot. Um, but the 15-minute huddle in the morning before we break out has, uh, has been huge for our culture. Um, I also think like when it comes to culture, when it comes to leadership, um, you have to somehow get your team to convinced, be convinced that you care about them as a human more than the dollar they make you, right? Absolutely. Like, I mean, they're here to make you money, so let's just all be upfront about that, right? We, we don't have to run from the subject of employees are there to work and work hard and make money for the business, and it's not a bad thing for the company to be profitable. So let's not run from that. But let's also not run from the fact that we all have personal stuff. And we all have, you know, families and things that we need to take care of. And I just feel like there's moments in life where uh, us as people need to feel loved by our employer. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, and so like 
when I get that phone call from one of my team members, you know, Hey dude, I, I got this, you know, personal issue. I'm not able to come in tomorrow. Now it's one thing if it's like an employee and they're blowing you off, like, right. Like, and I think we all kind of get that feeling when that's happening, but you need to be like, look, these jobs are not that important. Go handle your business. Uh, we'll figure it out. And this is one of those scenarios where maybe we jump in the truck or, mm -hmm. you know, we call and push them off till the next day, whatever. But, um, you know, the, the important thing is, is that the, your office, your staff, everybody needs to feel like you believe in them as a person as much as you believe in or more than as they are an employee. Um, and I think if you have that mindset, then I think that's, that'll help create that culture you're looking for. Yeah. Cause that, uh, another, I think we can use it for a lot of topics, but learn from other, other companies mistakes. Yeah. I don't see why not. Well, at, bouncing off what you're saying is I've heard a lot from companies, especially the larger ones where they'll, you'll go to interview somebody and they'll say, oh, I'm just tired of being a number. I'm just tired of being another truck on the road. So they're not feeling that love. They're not feeling all they feel like they're there to do is drive revenue, nothing else. Right. And nobody really cares for them. So those are the things you got to learn from too. How do I make my team feel like I actually appreciate them? Yep. I mean, that's on us to do that. hundred percent. So when you're hiring, you're looking for culture. If, uh, if you have any, uh, requests, Tony Hesh, um, he passed away recently, but, uh, what an amazing person. I didn't get to meet him personally, but I got to hang out with his number two, um, did a tour of Zappos. Uh, he's the, uh, was the CEO of Zappos. Um, and he recently passed away, I believe in a house fire. Um, but this dude built like a horizontal org chart where the CEO was on the same level as the people answering the phones, taking orders. Like it was a flat horizontal org chart. And he writes a book about uh, the open office concept with no walls and the horizontal org chart. I literally sat at his desk. He, he sat in a little, like a little bitty room with like two or three other of his employees. And then it, I don't even think there was a door. It was just like a little, little small hallway. And then it opened up into this big space where he had a bunch of employees all at cubicles. And he was literally, I mean, all he had was like a cube. This is a CEO of a multi-million dollar business, right? Super successful. Um, but, you know, he, he kind of looked at it as like, hey, if my guys are going to sit in cubes and be out in the open, so am I. Now there's conversations I've got to have that can't be public. So, you know, I'm sure he dealt with those, but at the same time, I, I'm a huge admirer of Tony. Um, he wrote a book. Let me see if I can figure out what the book name was. Um, delivering happiness. I would recommend, uh, checking that out. Um, I read that and, uh, a few others, but he's, really good about talking about company culture um, and his ideals on how to grow company culture. And I think I've told this story before, but as I was walking through with his number two, we got to talking and, um, and the operation was just hugely successful, but like you're sitting here thinking, wow, this is a lot of effort to sell shoes. Like you got all this stuff. And, and as you know, it's like, um, you know, we all measure our staff based on KPIs. Um, 
And when it comes to KPIs, when I was asking them, you know, how do you measure your staff? Uh, because they were talking about how they allow their people to stay on the phone as long as needed. So if you're, if you're, if you call Zappos, if they still run things the same way now, they will literally talk to you for 45 minutes to an hour, help you pick out shoes. It's unbelievable. Like I called just to test it and it was no joke. They said the only time it really bites them in the butt is when they have like these old retired people that call and just want to talk because they literally have that. But they said they don't measure, they almost measure if you're on the phone too little. They don't feel like you can deliver the Zappos way, what they call wow customer service uh, to a customer in under 15 minutes. You know, in order to really make a connection with somebody, you have to spend time with them and you don't have to feel rushed. And, um, and, you know, you gotta need to get to know them, get to know their style, get to know their shoe size, get to know what they like and dislike about shoes. Are you going for comfort? Are you going for looks or both? And then, then you can go through and look to see what we have. And then, you know, they would text you links or, you know, email you links to, to, uh, the shoes that they would suggest. I mean, this is a top notch operation and I'm walking through the hallway and I'm like, holy cow, this is a lot for a shoe company. Like you guys have put a lot in and she literally stopped, turned around. I thought she was going to eat me. She's like, we are not a shoe company. And I was like, okay, then like, I didn't know whether to crack a joke for the awkwardness or like curl down into a, you know, fetus position, fetal position. But, um, she told me, she said, we're a customer service company that happens to sell shoes. And that mind shift at that very moment for me was like, yes, that's exactly right. You are a customer service company. Um, and so when I started Aaron over at doors, I felt like it was inevitable that we were going to be a customer service company in the garage door business. And that's kind of our little slogan because I'm committed to customer service. And in order to be committed to customer service, that means I have to hire people who are capable of delivering great customer service then I have to put in processes and communication and process uh, in place to execute the customer service. Because a lot of people, like when I talk to, when I, we're onboarding new garage door companies, and I'm not saying they are or not, but every like when I ask them what makes you different, nine out of ten of them tell me customer service. Well, if everybody's saying customer service, that's not different, right? Uh, but if everybody's striving for customer service, I can promise you most of my competitors in the area are failing at it. Um, but some of them do a great job. And so they're committed and they're able to execute it. Execution and commitment to customer service is the key. But without that, if they don't see that at the top and you don't treat your employees great. So I also tell people all the time, we're not an, we're not a customer first company. I've told customers that I'm not a customer first company. Customers are a dime a dozen. Mm -hmm. I'm an employee first company. If I treat my employees great and give them the ability to uh, make decisions in the field and, and kind of take ownership of what they're doing, they'll treat my customers well. It's a trickle down effect. But people are so focused on the customer that they forget the whole reason that they're successful or that they're even have somebody to drive out to the job. And that's the person that answered the phone. That's the person that works in your warehouse, the people who clean your office, you know, your management team, that's your repair service techs or service professionals, your installers. I mean, it's everybody and everybody plays a role in that. And so 
I, I just, I wanted to share that because that's my mindset. That's where I think, um, I just reside. I try to stay there all the time and I try to mention, you know, we're a service, you know, we're a customer service company in the garage door business as much as possible to my team without driving them crazy. Uh, but I want that mindset. I want to, I want to hypnotize my whole team because, you know, we've been called twice in reviews twice. We're the Chick-fil-A of home service companies. I mean, that might be one of the greatest compliments I've ever received. And, you know, sometimes I screw it up. I'm not perfect. But guys will call me and say, hey, we got this scenario. How do you want me to handle it? A lot of times I'll be like, how does Chick-fil-A handle it? You know, like if I drive through Chick-fil-A and I don't have my wallet, they're still giving me my food. And I'm not saying you get your door for free. But what I am <laughs> saying is, you know, maybe we don't stick a gun to his head and be like, hey, bro, you know. Or, you know, whatever the case be, I just think that mentality is so nice. You know, you you, uh, you, you want a uh, ham, egg, cheese, biscuit or whatever, great. You know, we'll throw in this too and, and go above and beyond. People are so used to making a deal with a salesperson on a door and things declining from there. What if we made it reverse? What if, what if, what if it started good or great here? with the salesperson and then got even better through the process. And that's what, that's what you're trying to create right there. Right. And you can automate a lot of that with software and things like that. But, uh, all that ties into company culture, people not being overworked and overstressed. I mean, I think that we could probably, let's just have a whole nother, let's just record a whole <laughs> show on that. Um, you know, there's, uh, I'll hear about Josh falling asleep at his computer at 10 o'clock at night. Uh, that's not what I want. You know, I've done it, but that's not what I want for him. That's not where it's going to stay. But he came on knowing that he had to take on really two roles. And um, we were in a hurry to get to a certain place. Um, and we pushed. And he could have resented me for going home early on days where he stayed late. Um, that could have easily happened. Maybe you did a little bit. Uh, another story. No, no. <laughs> so that's no. a whole nother show. No, when you, when you agree to take on a task, if you, if you really have it in you and the drive to do that job, it's whatever it takes. And, uh, that just goes back to, again, that's the kind of people you want to hire. That's what you want your whole team to think like that. Whatever I got to do on my end to make this team successful and it's, falling asleep in my computer at 10 o'clock at night, one night happens, then it happens. And I think that as an owner, we have to do a good job of recognizing that and trying to turn it around and make sure that he doesn't fall yeah. asleep at his computer at 10 o'clock. Yeah. So you have to really push hard to try to say, Hey, what's keeping you from being able to accomplish all the things during the day? All right. Well, what position do we have you for? All right. Then we need to hire this so we can free you up to do that. Right. And then you got to get really serious about hiring that position. Um, and so uh, some people love that, like just working to the bone, but I don't think uh, they're going to be as effective if, unless they were singular focused. So if they did sales, but also did something else in your business, uh, I think they'd be more effective if they could focus on follow-up and sales. And uh, where's the time they get to spend? I mean, I'm sure like you're getting frustrated with me because I'm all like, dude, you got to read this book, bro. Like read this book. And you're like, damn, when am I supposed to read this book? I'm working for you like 50, <laughs> 60 hours a week, maybe more. But I'm always going to push 
to make sure that my team is getting better. Um, and, and I'm not going to give you a hard time if you don't get there. Right. But I, I want that, that pressure to always be there to get better, to read, to learn, to get better. Um, and, uh, and when things free up, get caught up on the books. Right. Yep. It's also when you realize a team member or your whole team for that matter is having to go so far into hard work that things like falling asleep at their computer is happening. Yes. On one spectrum, you want to, what do we do to prevent this in the future? But also as they just busted their back for me, let's show some appreciation. So, I mean, I was going through that few weeks where that was happening and what did I do? I took a week off. Mm -hmm. We took some time away, zero work for the most part. So it's also that appreciation too. All right, I get it happened. How do we fix it? And thank you for yeah. make, for making that happen. I gave him some time off because he was working his fanny off, um, and I knew he was going way above and beyond for me um, and the company as a whole. And so, um, you know, when he interviewed for me, like with me, we went through that process. You know, this is important too. Like when you're going through the interview process, he told me point blank that, you know, it was really important for him and his family to get away and have some long weekends. He said, you know, we don't normally take a lot of full weeks, but we like to head out on a Thursday and, you know, go out to the mountains and get a cabin or, or whatever and, and hang out and just spend time with family. Um, and that, you know, that's in the back of my head to make sure, you know, that I need to hold myself accountable to making sure that he continues to do that so that, he can give me his best, you know? And so um, that's important. I think as business owners, again, that's just another way that you look at your employees and try to find ways to reward them. You know, if they work their fannies off for a whole quarter and they kill it, do something nice for them, right? Like reward them, especially the people that, that, uh, you know, without question went to battle for you and didn't, didn't fight. Uh, fight you on anything they just laid it down and and did the work and I think that's uh it's rare to find number one and number two if you find it I think you definitely got to take care of it and uh nurture the relationship and and do stuff like that be like hey bro book some time off and you know hold them accountable to actually taking the time because <laughs> yeah. I was like you know pick a couple weekends and go and I think you backed out of one or two of them uh, yeah, I think it was a total of like 14 days I took off and uh, 13 of them I was at the office. Yeah, <laughs> not my choice, no. uh, but you got to, uh, I think you're also a little bit of a workaholic. So Yeah, a little bit. And I'm sure there's people listening right now thinking y'all should have just called this culture, not hiring. So I wanted to hit on that. Like the reason why most of the hiring conversation has been about culture, because if you don't make it about that, then and you should probably just not hire anymore. I mean, it's. It, it, that's literally what it's based off of for a lot of different reasons. If you're hiring off of it, you're going to build a great team. If you already have it and you're continuing to hire, your staff that you have built a relationship with and trust are going to tell other people that they would trust to be on that culture about it too. Right. So it makes the hiring process or the, the recruiting process even easier when your team is going out and finding people like telling their friends, I think you'd be a good fit. Uh, we got a great culture and you're skilled you would be a perfect fit. And they're telling people about it. So the culture is going to help you way more ways than one. Yep. hundred percent. So that's why we spent most of the time talking about culture and how to achieve it. And a little bit about our culture. And, you know, I think genuinely it's, um, 
the reason why we are as successful as we are, uh, because you know when we bring somebody into an interview, they can feel it, they can they can see it. Uh, if you ask majority of our employees, I would say uh, they would they would tell you all about it and how great it is. Um, you know, I think that uh, everyone that works for me at this given moment loves and appreciates their job. Yeah. Would you say the same? Absolutely. Um, and so I just feel like we're in a good place and, and the key is find those right people. And, and there's a difference between somebody who's looking for a job and somebody who wants to work for you. And I think when you're doing the interview process, you got to sell why people should work for you and then let them, uh, let them want to work for you instead of like, I think so many times we're like, Oh, here's our job. If you want it, like you need to prove to me yeah. something. And that's not the way this goes, right? It's like a two way, it's a two way street. You got to tell them all the reasons why they should want the job and then see if they want it. And if they want it, then you start the interview process. Yep. I've always treated every interview and I try to tell everybody I know when they go to an interview, don't everybody's always faulted into or defaulted into going into an interview like the company that you're considering is interviewing you. You take some time out of that and you interview them also. 100%. Never just let that person interview you and then decide yeah. ever. Yep. Have some questions. Uh, if you're going into an interview to interview with a company, have some good questions that you've written up. And, you know, what I like is if I'm scheduling someone to work here and they go and they like our LinkedIn or Facebook and our Twitter account, I'm like, ah, I like these guys. Mm -hmm. Like those are the ones that are going to be online, like pumping your business and uh, helping you out. And that goes to something, right? Like I'll check people's Facebook. I'll check their LinkedIn. If they're posting stuff that I don't like, they're out. Like I don't even consider them. But if they're legit and uh, they're going online and, and they're, you know, liking my social media and sharing my stuff and they haven't even been hired yet, yeah. I'm like, this might be a winner. So I like people who want to work for me, uh, that want to work for the company and uh, be part of our culture and make it better. Not just be part of it, but make it better. So I hope this was helpful. Um, you know, employers out there, don't give up. There are good people. And I think there's more good people in the marketplace now than ever. And if your competition's treating people like dirt, those people will be available at some point. And if they haven't been completely ruined by their employer, they may be good hires because there's nothing better than coming from a bad relationship into a good one because it makes you grateful for all the small things. And then if you love them, care for them and take care of them, uh, I think it'll pay off. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and have a wonderful day. Be safe, Josh. I enjoyed it. I'm glad I was able to knock the dust off and get back in here. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, take care.